This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Hey guys, Nick Wilson here, Spencer German with you once again. And oh, the news does not stop coming out of Columbus. Uh, There's a potential new athletic director most of us didn't see coming. We've got to get into all the latest at Ohio State. Alabama has replaced um, Nick Saban, so we'll get into the, uh, the job market there. We've got Jim Harbaugh news. We've got transfer portal news. We've got everything, but as always, guys... We are a new podcast. We are a new uh, YouTube. uh, I don't even know what the hell we're calling it. YouTube show. Please make sure to follow the show everywhere you can. That is 92.3 The Fans YouTube channel. That's Apple, Spotify, uh, the free Odyssey app, 92.3TheFan.com, wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure to follow us because the more you help us be successful, the more time and energy we can devote to the pod and making it the best pod possible. But I guess we'll start here. Hi, Spencer German. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> hey, Nick. Good. Uh, obviously, we're dealing with a lot of cold weather here in Cleveland, so trying to stay as warm as possible. Um, I, 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 To your point, like the news just doesn't seem to sleep when it comes to the Ohio State Buckeyes. We have been lucky that even with them out of the playoff and even with them playing in a bowl game that didn't really mean all that much, the news just continues to flow. So I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to break it all down and keep this thing rolling. Yeah, and I think as we start, like I think today is about kind of the mass reaction to what has been honestly a, a fairly good if, – if we start last week on Tuesday – all right, and not on Monday. I don't remember what happened on Monday. Could have been a, a really important game in college I blacked football. Blacked out. Yeah, Could, I don't maybe know. maybe it did happen. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe something was good happened. Maybe something bad happened. Maybe. Could have been a dream. Um, could have involved Connor Stallions. Could have not involved Connor Stallions. But <laughs> really, from Tuesday on, 
and and some Buckeye fans have kind of derided it. There was a lot of really good things that happened with Ohio State. There was the Quinshawn Judkins news. There was the flurry of, um, you know, guys that could have either transferred or have gone into the NFL draft, like JT Tuimoloau, like Travion Henderson, like Emeka Abuka, like Jack Sawyer. Yeah. And pretty much all but two, Michael Hall and um, Marvin Harrison Jr., came back to Ohio State. And it's funny because there's two pathways to this. There is either, okay, my panic from this last year is over and I'm really excited. When can we get to spring ball? When can we get to um, August? Or there is, well, okay, cool. Now go win something. And I think it's interesting to see the one through line between those two groups are that expectations for Ohio State after a seemingly down year with two losses are right back up at the top uh, upper echelon in college football again after a exciting week of retaining your own talent, and that's kind of how they focused their NIL initiative so far this year. I th- I honestly think there's almost a middle ground on those two things too, because um, I find myself feeling this way. Like I am really excited about the idea of what this team's got coming back. We talked about it last show defensively. I mean, experience always matters on both sides of the ball, but to have, you know, an offensive line, defensive line, those things matter a ton. But to have a defense coming back that was already really good, and now they're bringing all this talent back from last year, another year under their belts, a year, another year together in this system under Jim Knowles. Um, so, yeah, like I, I'm both really excited about what's happened to a point where I'm revved up for let's get to spring ball, let's get into the summer, let's get let's let's get the 2024 season here. I know there's a lot of time to go until we get to that point, but I'm like really excited about the prospect of what's to come. But I'm also of the mindset that yeah, you got to show me, like you got to go win now. Um, it's been three years since you beat Michigan. We know that. It's been, uh, I guess you were competitive in the playoff the year before. But this this team has those aspirations. They have those goals and, and expectations in mind from this fan base. Ryan Day talks about that all the time, like understanding the pressures that come with this coaching job here at Ohio State. And I think he is part of that conversation too. Like it's not just the team that has to win. He has to go win. He has to go prove it. So I'm kind of caught in the middle of those two things. It, like to me last week, the 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 game that maybe or maybe did or didn't happen on Monday, um, you know, was was a moment where normally I'd I'd have a week after that as a fan where I'm like, well, this just sucks. Like I hate this, but I think some of the stuff that transpired after that softened the blow at least a little bit. Like it may, it, I'm not saying it like erased it, it, made me feel totally better, but it made me feel better about like, okay, this team is going for it. I think that's important. Like for, for some fans out there who are like, nothing's just ever good enough for you. I, I can at least appreciate the fact that they're trying. They seem to get their NIL stuff in order. They're bringing these guys back. They're going for it. That's what I want to see. So it softened the blow a little bit, but yeah, like now you got to do it on the field. And we, we talk about that in all sports, right? Like you can put together the best team on paper, but are you going to go out and win uh, come Saturdays in the fall? That's the real question that needs answered. And so we, we wait for that. We have a long way to go, but yeah, I think it's kind of a mix for me. I think maybe a simpler way to state it is I think most of, including when Michigan won the national championship, most of the talk was Michigan or bust. For Ryan Day specifically, next year is beat Michigan or bust. 
and what evolved last week. And some of this was the discontent of Michigan winning the national championship. You and I have, uh, we have, we've quoted uh, my colleague, our colleague on uh, a 92, three, the fan, Anthony Lima. Uh, we have, we've quoted him as the, uh, the, forever malcontent whereas it's always moving <laughs> the moving the goalpost no i mean well i mean like for instance you know the reaction was when they brought all this talent back oh was that supposed to be a good thing and it's like yes yes like when you retain 90% 95% of your nfl talent while also adding and dipping into the transfer portal to get a quarterback, to get an elite running back in Quinshawn Judkins, to to, to to potentially get more offensive linemen beyond the kid from Alabama, like, yes, it's a big week. But the downside of it is that I do think the malcontents and the, uh, the perpetual malcontents and even some of the fans who just want to beat Michigan, I think it's gone from, you know, Michigan or bust to now potentially being Michigan and national championship or bust. And I think that's a really interesting shift in expectations when the Buckeyes haven't played a game. And by most people standing, they're still judging people off the Cotton Bowl, which, guys, could not matter less in the yeah. conversation about trajectory for Ohio State next year. I think the Cotton Bowl for me, um, it's and, and I said this the night of, it's not so much that the game itself meant much of anything. It's that you've never seen Ohio State get embarrassed like that offensively, especially when you have an offensive coach, especially when you have this guy that's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Like these are quarterbacks, whether they were new, starting for the first time, whatever, these were quarterbacks that you handpicked. So I think it was just the embarrassment of like you didn't even put up a fight. But you're right. Like that game doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. I'm not going to sit back going in the next year and be like, oh, well, this team only put a three points in the Cotton Bowl. Guys, they have a new quarterback. They have all these guys coming back. They add Judkins to the mix. Like, clearly there's going to be a lot of differences. And we know leading up to that game, what, they practiced like six times? Like, it didn't even really seem like they put all that much effort into it being a, a, a big thing for them. So I'm not going to sit here and judge them based solely off of that. I think it's silly to judge any team solely off of that. I mean, Florida State got boat raced. They didn't have half or more of their team from the regular season playing against Georgia. So – I can't do that, um, but I do think in, in the conversation of, of of championship or bust or not, what's interesting to me is over the last year, I have become sort of stunned, I guess, but also now understand that this fan base cares more about beating Michigan than they do national championships. Like, I thought that after the Georgia game, people would have said, oh, we yeah, that should be our level too. Like that, if we had gone out and won the national championship last year, the Michigan, you know, it eases the pain of the Michigan loss. But it sounds like there's so many people on board with just no, it's always about beating Michigan. A national championship is secondary. That I think that that is priority number one. And so yeah, going the next year, you have to beat Michigan, 100%. You have to beat Michigan. I think when you get to the deeper into the conversation, especially with an expanded playoff, I think for me it becomes about. Do you have to win the title for this season to end up feeling like a success? I mean, it's going to hurt regardless if they lose. I think you at least got to be playing for the national title. If you lose, I can sort of reconcile that. But I think you at least have to get to that stage, given what you have coming back, given the talent that you're adding on top of beating Michigan. I think, yeah, like that, that, that feels like the 
what the expectation should be set out. If you win or not, sometimes that comes down to little things. Maybe it's coaching. Maybe you meet up with Kirby Smart in Georgia and they beat you. But, um, yeah, like to me, I think it's at least get to that platform, get to that stage or bust on top of you 100% absolutely cannot lose to Michigan again. It cannot happen. Well, I just think it's as simple as something that I think Ohio State fans have started to get frustrated with. And and honestly, I understand the frustration, but I, I think it, it shows the difference between fans and maybe coaches or administrators is it doesn't feel like Ohio State's built to beat Michigan. And in previous years, there was always this arms race between Ohio State and Michigan and, and there were other teams that have been in that conversation as well in any given year. Wisconsin's had a couple of good runs. Michigan State's had a couple of good runs, like Penn State, you know, sporadically. But, like, the number one conversation has always been who's built to be the best Big Ten team. And that means power, strength, for you know, physicality in the trenches. That means the, the best running back. That means – you know, who commits to the bit hardest when it comes to just running the ball down your throat and playing mistake-free football. And I think the frustration, and it's funny because, you know, uh, some Ohio State fans are selective in their memory on this one. This started to be the knock on Urban at the end, despite the fact he won a national championship. But after you had kind of disappointed the year after the national championship, and after several years after you still weren't winning another national title, the conversation was, are we too focused about competing on a national level that we're maybe letting our guard down on the Big Ten? And that didn't really matter when you were letting it down to Purdue. It didn't really matter if you were letting it down to Illinois. But like what really was highlighted over the last three years is just how much better of a Big Ten team Michigan is and how Jim Harbaugh has perfected that build. And what is surprising is that, you know, if Ohio State, for 20 years, tried to build the best Big Ten team. They could have won the Big Ten every single year like that, right? It's enough to win the division. It might not be enough to win a playoff game or multiple playoff games. And so what's fascinating is now, like, if you're if you're Ryan Day, do you, do you pivot? Do you say, we've taken the eye off the ball? Because that's one way to prove to Ohio State fans how much you care about Michigan. So, but I, I, I will yeah. say, fans – fans would take beating Michigan over winning a national championship. It's still administrators, crazy, but... <laughs> but administrators would take, and I think the greater thing to the greater thing to the importance of winning um, and, and perpetual winning and having top five recruiting classes and everything that goes in line with winning national championships. The most important thing you can do is do something nationally relevant, like win a national title. Uh, I mean, I just, <laughs> You're right in like the perspectives there of like the two different perspectives, the fan perspective versus like the the coaches, the team. And I, I I do think Ohio State they they under Urban like that was the focus. You don't bring in Urban Meyer simply to win the Big Ten. Like that guy was a national championship contender with Florida year after year, and he comes here with the same expectations. So I'm not saying they shouldn't have thought that way, but it definitely seems like you're you're right in that the fans prioritize one game one. Um, smaller goal of winning the Big Ten over over necessarily you got to go win a national championship. But I can't blame Ryan Day for thinking that way because who wouldn't? Like the end goal of all sports and when your team is in that conversation, especially at this level, is to win a championship. So I, I what's interesting is like 
the the landscape changing to a 12 team playoff now um because i think now you're going to see teams that don't win the big 10 that still get in and so is that as as important I, like it still will be an important thing to the fans yes but if ohio state let's say ohio state stubs their toe against wisconsin or something next year or let, let's just say oregon's on the schedule next year i believe let's say they lose to oregon next year and oregon wins the big 10 and, and they go on to win the Big Ten Championship game. But then Ohio State comes out, and in the playoff, they find their way through, maybe beat Oregon the second time around, or Oregon loses to somebody else, and you go win a national championship. And they and, and there is the note that they beat Michigan along the way somewhere during the regular season. Are we really going to sit there and be that upset that they, they weren't a good Big Ten team? But I do like I think at Ohio State, you kind of have to be both. It's almost like if this is, I guess, a timely, timely comparison – given that we're now with football season starting to wind down, I'm dreading that we're going to just see nonstop political stuff on our TVs coming up, Nick, but um, politics, right? You get a candidate on either side who, when they're in their primary, all they do is talk the talking points for that specific group, that specific um, party. And then when they get on the national stage, this is, I mean, maybe it doesn't work this way anymore. I think it used to work this way. Now it's just so divisive. It doesn't matter. Um, But then you, when you get to the national stage, you got to kind of pull back towards the middle and be able to relate to both sides. So you get more votes again, maybe a, an archaic way of thinking through politics now, uh, given our current climate. But um, I think it's kind of similar with Ohio state. Like you have to be built to both win the big 10. And then when you get to that next stage, also go chase national championships. Cause I got a feeling that if Ohio state beats Michigan next year and then they get in the playoff and they fall short and they lose to somebody I got a feeling that these fans are going to, again, move the goalposts. It's going to be, well, you should have been a national championship contender. Look at the roster that you built and the roster that you brought back. Ryan Day still sucks. Like, I, I think that's what the conversation is going to become. And that's fandom. That's sports. I get it. But that's why I think it's not wrong for them to think about trying to win a national championship and build their team that way. They just also have to find a way to win the Big Ten with that same mentality. I wonder if the enhanced playoffs, and I don't know if it's going to happen year one. I mean, we already saw. Also, when's Michigan going to be on the schedule? Next year, I think it still is, is November. But in future years, like they had the conversation in the preseason last year about moving that game or maybe earlier or whatever. So that matters too. Like when you play them is going to be a different potentially as well. Why are you triggering me with that topic? Why, why are you doing that? Huh? All right. Don't, I'm not don't, saying- don't, no, no, no. We're not. No. Because what's going to happen is I'm waiting for them to move that game, at which point I will have some sort of volcanic reaction on air on, right here with you so you can see my true feelings on that. But listen, I think, uh, you know, in terms of the playoff thing, because I do want to get to put a bow on just Michigan yeah. or bust, playoffs or bust. But in terms of, the playoffs. This was the most even year for the top seven teams that we've seen, uh, maybe in yeah, the entirety, of play- maybe since the start of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that's coincidental um, to what's happening with the transfer portal in NIL and kind of you know the evening of the play- playing field. I think that could could honestly have far greater implications the farther we get into the playoffs, because I, I would be shocked if there wasn't more of a talent leveling out as more teams get into the playoffs. So 
I, I think that gives you a varied ability of, of teams winning the national championship. It probably does hurt the dynastic runs of, you know, three titles in four years or, you know, two oh, yeah. titles in four years. No but one's going to ever replicate Saban ever. Well, again. but honestly, that's not a bad thing for college football no. because it, maybe there's still going to be the top 15 teams and then the rest of college football, but that'll be more, um, uh, that'll just be more interesting when it comes to the 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 the, mo- the most significant national event, which is the playoffs. Now, to, to get back to it, I think there's going to be a lot of people, if you just beat Michigan, they're going to be happy this year. So if you go undefeated through Michigan, win the Big Ten title game, and then skunk out in the playoffs, there are going to be people that are happy because, well, you're just beating Michigan again. But what I would say is every coach in Columbus is graded off two things. Everyone says it's the Michigan thing, but it's the Michigan thing and winning a national championship. And the sooner that Ryan Day can do both, and preferably both next year, the sooner that he can do that, the the more easy it's going to be for him to be the Ohio State head coach. And that's just like the greatest thing to happen to Urban is 2014, what was that, three years in, bam, national championship. Dressel, two years in, national championship. You'd be surprised how one national championship in almost a decade and beating Michigan 70% of the time will buy you infinite time and infinite patience in Columbus. So I, for me, it's still, it's still Michigan or bust. You beat Michigan, we're good, and we'll kind of deal everything afterwards. But at some point, he's got to do both. For him to truly have the, the kind of power and ability – that Urban had, that, that Tress had, that that Woody had. It is about doing both of those things because in the end, Ohio, there will be enough Ohio State fans that even if you beat Michigan, will move the goalpost even as soon as this year. You beat Michigan and by the Big Ten title game, people will be like, okay, cool, yeah, you can beat Michigan, but what about that national championship? Yeah. I think that is just natural, and I think you're already seeing it with the Lima types out there and their inability to process last week is a good thing because it wasn't an actual win in an actual win column. Well, and and to, to that point, like Ryan Day um... – so, like you're you're talking about the idea that um you you beat Michigan. There's this 12 team playoff. Things are kind of leveling off. I, I I do think that this year was not you un- was was you un- it was unique, but it was unique in that I think that is the direction we're going. I mean, Duke, for example, has now a five star quarterback that they're playing. So I I think there's definitely some truth to that. I think NIL is a good thing for college football in general. Um, and and I think you're right that fans are going to move the goalposts no matter what. Um, it's, it's now Michigan's the the main goal. Yes. Um, but with everything that they've kind of collected here with everything that they're bringing back, I do think that on some level, like there, there's higher expectations here once they hit that playoff, even if it's a different system, even if things look a little bit different and you talk about winning a national championship for day, that would go with a new AD coming in, which I know we're going to talk about here coming up in a little bit. Can't wait. Um, that would go a long way in sort of stabilizing yourself with a a new regime, so, uh, quote unquote. If you if if that, if that person's first year on the job, you are beating Michigan, which is the thing everybody with the monkey everyone needs you to get off your back, and then also going and capping it off with a championship run or at least getting to the championship. 
I think that that sort of gives you the footing that you need to to be back. Because all we we always know, like these ads, one of the biggest goals when they come in is be a kingmaker of find a head coach and become a kingmaker. Like make a head coach the next big thing, and then that helps you. Not that there's anything. There's not like a ton bigger than being the ad at Ohio State. But that is such a massive goal that, like, if you if you already have somebody in place, like Ryan Day's got to kind of earn his stripes with the new person that's coming in as well. So, yeah, I, I think, like, clock's ticking. This is the year that it feels like it, it could happen. Michigan's the first goal, but those goalposts will get moved almost immediately because it's Ohio State. Is it still Michigan or bust, or is it Michigan and national title or bust, given all the talent Ohio State is bringing back from a talent perspective I mean, we can still say, what are we doing at the offensive line? We can still wonder how, you know, great Will Howard is compared to Kyle McCord. But you can start to make an argument this team is every bit as good as last year and maybe not, maybe even a more talented if, uh, if you can figure out the offensive line and, and Will Howard there. So is it still Michigan or bust or have we moved to Michigan and national title or bust? Uh, drop it in the comments there, guys. Or uh, Senator X at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. When we come back, the uh, the Alabama job is filled. Somebody else born on third base. Ninety two three the fan. I'd like to point out we are on Sons of the Shoe. Um, that don't know where Tiger got out of the cage with 92 through the fan, but Nick and Spencer back here. And it's funny. I think, you know, watching Caleb DeBoer get the, um, or Kalen DeBoer get the Alabama job has brought up a lot of conversations just about the situation he walks into. And it's funny because like, I don't, I don't know you could have walked into a better situation if you're Kalen DeBoer walking into a playoff team from last year. And yet, because of the implications of taking over for Nick Saban, people are acting like he's walking into a cursed job. And I cannot figure out how there's almost like a bless your heart attitude towards Kalen DeBoer being the new head coach at Alabama. I think it's simply because who you're following. I, I I think it's as plain as that. Like you are following it, it. We have these like you have goat debates in all sports. LeBron, MJ, uh, you know Belichick, Shula, whatever at the NFL level. Like whatever whatever goat topic you want to throw out there. Nick Saban is undisputedly the greatest college football coach of all time. Like I don't even think it's up for discussion. Like you could throw somebody at me and I would probably just laugh. I think maybe the person who comes closest is another Hugh Alabama. Jackson. At, Gram- at Grambling State, big time winner down there, huh? <laughs> Too soon, um, jeez. <laughs> Freddie um, Kitchens. No, where, no. where is he? Where is he now? I don't even know. Um, but yeah, like you could throw somebody at me at the college level, and and I, like I'd probably laugh you off because I, I don't think there's anybody that comes close. So yes, while while you're you you made the the born on third base reference at the end of the the first segment there, like he's stepping into a situation, getting the keys to the car, getting the keys to a shiny new car. And the, his job is just not to crash it. But I think that's easier said than done when you're following the guy who drove it as smooth as anybody. You know what I mean? Like he's got to try to keep a lot of these recruits around who didn't commit to him. Um, I, you know, I actually had a conversation with um, Amari Cooper 
last week in the, in, in the Browns locker room. And I, it was, I basically just wanted to talk to him about Nick Saban and the impact he had on him as a player and all this different stuff when that news broke. And I mean, Amari Cooper flat out said like, I was a kid from Miami. I like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about Alabama other than um, the Montgomery bus boycott with, with, you know, MLK like that that was the only thing that he basically had of reference to of Alabama before he went to school there and he he, he admitted like Nick Saban was a big reason why I went because I knew he was going to get me ready for the NFL I knew he was a great coach and that was the big lure so is Kalen DeBoer the same thing I, I do think it helps that you have Saban it sounds like still sort of around in the shadows he's going to be part of the process and I'm sure he's going to talk to guys about, you know, try to sell them on why Kalen's message or Kalen's um, the right man for the job and why they should still buy in. But it's different when it's not the person that you were committing to. We know recruiting is so much about relationships. So I just think it's it's a difficult situation because you're, uh, again, the guy you're following. Nobody wants to follow the guy. They want to follow the guy that followed the guy. So it's it's whoever comes after Kalen DeBoer is actually in a better situation than Kalen DeBoer. So our are we talking about head coaching or glory holes? Because I can't tell. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> Maybe both, is I guess. Better, uh, is it better to follow the guy or follow the guy that follows the guy? Who really knows? Um, so some sloppy sevenths or something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who, who doesn't, right? I love leftovers, personally. Like, uh, just like, give me day-old lasagna, brother. Like, And I'm just, I'm living the dream. Um. So here's the thing. There's really no difference in the situation that Ryan Day stepped in um, four years ago to the one that Kalen DeBoer stepped in. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe, you know, Urban Meyer's thought to be one of the greatest coaches. He's not the GOAT. Maybe that's the difference. Um, and, and maybe in terms of internal pressure, like, it's funny now that people at Ohio say, oh, well, Ohio, you know, Ryan Day is not an Ohio guy. It's like um, he, ha he had double the experience as a assistant coach in Columbus that, that Urban Meyer did, and Urban qualified as an Ohio guy. So I don't really know what makes an Ohio guy if somebody was an assistant before becoming the head coach at Ohio State. But I think, you know, like I, I think even that, like only having two years as an assistant has hurt Ryan Day because he's just not seen as an Ohio guy. I think Kalen DeBoer walks into a very similar situation. And it's funny because Kalen DeBoer, as um, a head coach early in his career at a much lower level, won, I think, three national championships in four years. He went to – then he bounced around as people's, you know, O-O coordinator. But Fresno State, I think it was 19 wins in two years. In Washington, I think it was something like 25-2 and two or something ridiculous like that. So the – it's there. Like you can, he knows how to coach football. He knows how to win. What I think the problem is, it's almost similar to Ryan Day. The Kalen DeBoer has never really stepped in at this level and won consistently with his own players, right? Lasted two years at Fresno, two years at Washington. That's not to say he can't do it, but it is part of the conversation that you don't know that when you get three years in and that roster is fully his whatever name, image, and likeness to steal a Dabo Sweeney quote, it was built in, can he, can he sustain, right? I, I have no doubt that the same way that Ryan Day kind of sustained winning of Urban's, uh, you know, uh, class and crew the first couple of years, 
I have no doubt Kalen, uh, Kalen DeBoer could do it. But I really think, and right now, where's Ryan Day in? Well, you haven't beat Michigan in three years. I think Kalen DeBoer steps into a situation where I think he could have more immediate success, meaning he could win a national title next year at Alabama if he keeps the band back together while also bringing in the right quarterback if Jalen Milrow transfers out. But man, I got to say, Long-term, the problem isn't immediate success when both guys were effectively born on third base. And make no mistake about it, it just because Kalen DeBoer wasn't there doesn't mean that this is he, – he is rounding home. That's the kind of uh, situation that he is, he is walking into in Alabama. I think the question becomes, can that guy win once Nick Saban's – image is is get you get farther and away from that and you're three or four years down the road and that program is entirely your own i i think that is why it makes that job almost feel more difficult to me i mean i you bring up the you know comparison to ohio state i i think seeing what we've seen i mean we just spent the whole first segment sort of talking about ryan day and what he needs to accomplish what has to happen for him to keep his job and the pressures that are already on him um, I, I like. I think following up Urban Meyer was hard enough at Ohio State, where now you have to, like you said, now you have to follow up Nick Saban. Like, and and th- this is so. If we're sort of trying to, if the point we're trying to get to here is which job is is the better job or the job that you would rather be stepping into, I think the answer is Ohio State because you have a better like like winning the Big Ten is, um objectively not as difficult as winning the sec and yes ohio state has this image to uphold uphold and this you know history to uphold and they've won national championships and the urban meyer days aren't so far removed that you don't remember them um that you can still like like you can still get there but i think there's already already been internal pressures on ryan day in that same vein i think with DeBoer, it's just it, it's twofold like and i here's the other difference too we're sitting here talking about first segment. The main goal at Ohio State is beat your biggest rival. And I'm not saying that doesn't matter at Alabama. Like, they want to beat Auburn every year. But I, I think that for for you at, at, at Alabama, the main goal seems to be you're playing for national championships because of the standard that, that um, Nick Saban established. So I'm not saying that he has to win a national championship this year, Kalen DeBoer. But I do think, like, there's there's more pressure to do that. Like Ryan Day, the bar is a little bit lower. I, I, like I, I, I know we just said that they'll move it. Like fans will gradually move it if he wins the Big Ten next year. But the main goal going into twenty twenty four is listen, just beat Michigan, and we'll start to rethink some things and 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 about how we feel about you. Like that. That's if he does that, then he's kind of sitting pretty going into twenty twenty five. Kalen DeBoer, it's going to be like okay, yeah, we get it. There's an adjustment period. There's some growing pains. You're trying to convince guys to stay. So if you don't win it this year, fine. But by year two, they're going to be like, hey, we got to see you getting deep into the playoff and making this thing interesting. And then by year three, you almost have to win one or else you're talking about a, a fan base that's going to sort of lose you quickly. Like my, one of my takes last week was that I don't know that Kalen DeBoer is even going to get to the end of that eight-year contract because I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to win immediately. And I don't know that he's, that that's going to happen. So I, I just think that's a more difficult situation to be stepping into and it does have a lot to do with who you're following. When you're following the guy who's the greatest of all time, that's very, very difficult to do, even though that same guy has also set you up to have sustained success 
Um, but you're right. Like, will the aura of Nick Saban still matter in three, four, five years if that program regresses? So I'll be honest with you. I think it is a bit of a um, a moving target. Which job is tougher? Um, I think a lot of that corresponds with who are you taking over for? What's the situation you're walking into? And I will admit, I mean, Nick Saban winning six national titles has raised the bar. But I just look at it like if on any given year, you beat Michigan or you win a national title at Ohio State, you're successful, right? Um, I look at Alabama, and there's one way, and that one way is winning yeah. a national championship. Like, but I, but I think, uh, but I think the ultimate, ultimate to like keep everybody happy is you have to win two games a year if you're Ohio State. You have to, you know, the expectation is to beat Michigan and a national title. Whereas at, at Alabama, it's just win a national title. And some of that is the Alabama-Auburn Bowl. Uh, sorry, the Alabama-Auburn game has been diminished a bit because Auburn has been caca outside of like one or two moments for the last 20 years. Um, but no, I mean, I think, that's, I think that's really interesting. I think it's almost easier to do that at Alabama because if you run through the SEC, you're going to have a chance to go ahead. But like, if you said you could win a national championship every year but lose to Auburn, I would venture to say a majority of Bama fans would take that win. Yeah. At, at Columbus, I think the bar is, no, 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 no. We win the national championship and we beat Michigan. That's the only way we'll be fully happy. See, but I still think beating Michigan is an easier task than going – like, like the, everyone wants to win a national championship. You're the one team that your job is to beat Michigan, right? Like, you're, I don't mean to say like it's a diminished goal. It's not as important because it is, but I'm saying to go into a season and be like, our number one goal is let's beat Michigan and win the Big Ten because we do that. Um, versus go win a national championship. Like, everyone's got their sights set in the championship. Everyone's building rosters to go accomplish that thing. You're sort of the target of uh, a lot of these other teams. Like, Lane Kiffin. You know, he's tweeting about the schedule next year, not having Bama on it because he basically wants a piece of Bama. Like everybody knows what you did to them over the last basically two decades with Saban at the helm. They now want a piece of you because they want to get their their pound of flesh because you've carved them up for so many years. So I just think it's a harder task to accomplish that, especially in the NIL era where talent's being spread out more and there's all this money being spent on bringing guys in and you got Duke with a five-star quarterback and you got – Kyle McCord, who's a five-star quarterback going to Syracuse. Like, you got all these different things kind of shifting and happening and moving. Um, so I think that Alabama's goal is a little bit harder when you don't have Nick Saban and you're in a different era of football than what he was even in than just simply saying, okay, your job is to beat Michigan. I'll also say this, Nick. Both these I – th I think – I'm somebody who subscribes to the idea that all fan bases are kind of cultish, but I also mm -hmm. think there's a levels to those cults. And Ohio State's up there. Ohio State fans, admittedly, being one is, is a bit of a cult. But Bama fans are – they're not quite Texas A&M cult level, but they're definitely up there in terms of one of the more cult fan bases. I mean, they had a guy call into the Paul Feinbaum show and then go poison – what's the name of the tree at, at Auburn? That, that's the, the, the biggest rival, the, the, the tree that they throw the toilet paper on, and they did, the other, I, they did it last week. I think his name is Jim. <laughs> that's the name of the tree? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it no, could, it, it could be Matthew. Very classical names for trees, and you know, <laughs> maybe maybe Tommy. There but the tree, his name is real Thomas. There is a name for like that. Um, 
Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's coming to me. It's coming to it's me. It's coming it's... to you because you're Googling. Don't bullshit me here. Tumor's Everyone, Corner. Tumor's Corner. Everyone Tumor's can corner. clearly see well, you Googling, and you're I like, knew... oh, it's coming to me. <laughs> oh, in the distance, I see a light. Tumor's Corner. I knew, like The part that came to me was like the corner part, but I couldn't remember what the first word was, so that's yeah, why so Google it came. So it didn't come to you. Google you came in handy Google to it. finish off what was coming to me. No, um... But yeah, like you got to be another kind of crazy to do something like that. So I don't know. I is think that family is a little harsher. Is it tougher to win? Or sorry, is the tougher job Ohio State or Alabama? Or trying to Google Tumor's Corner while you're on a podcast. Yes. Also, how <laughs> full of shit was Spencer? Oh, it's coming to me. Oh, I see the light, Lord. Oh, he's conveying the information to me. Ah, oh, Tumor's Corner. Yeah. Yeah. Because it says it on your, your damn computer. Uh, drop your comments here on 92 through the fan YouTube channel or at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore on X. When we come back, we got a potential new athletic director, the Michigan panic meter and more, but first a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, before we get to the potential new AD for Ohio State replacing outgoing Gene Smith, we do have to get to our weekly segment, bi-weekly segment, the Michigan Panic Meter, and mine remains unchanged. I am all the way in the gray. I'm feeling groovy. We got the band back together. We're running it back. Ohio State's in a good spot. All the naysayers can uh, can can eat my dust. Like I am feeling really good about where Ohio State is, and now it's about all right. What else, what other small changes to the staff do you make, and you know what other dalliances in the portal do you go after there, Spencer? But I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, at least I think I was in the light gray last time, so I'm sticking in the light gray as well. Uh, feeling pretty good about things. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, Michigan winning the national championship that's that's a thing of the past. We we are we are on. To 2024, if you will. Like that, that's old news. Jim Harbaugh is interviewing for jobs. JJ uh, McCarthy is going to the. Do you, by the way, you think JJ McCarthy is going to be a good pro? No. Yeah, and I could be wrong, but like most of he, every... he reminds me of a rich man's Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, he's he's bigger and more athletic than than Kenny is. But like so much of what is spoken about him is the intangibles. It's, and, it's like care. It's like character traits. Yeah, but, like oh, he's, he's a great leader. Which which was funny because when you got to the Washington Michigan matchup and you were comparing the two quarterbacks, it was this whole like everyone was like salivating over McCarthy, like oh, he's a great leader and he's just got this toughness to him and he's always going to find a way to win. And then the other side, you were like, man, Michael Penix Jr. That guy's got a dot of an of a of, a, of accuracy. He's He's got such great vision. He sees the field well, and it's like that's kind of the stuff that matters more when when you go to the next level than just just being able to be a good leader. But okay, yeah. I mean, fine. granted, granted, the the thing that and this is not something you really got to see a lot of in Michigan's offense because the way it's set up. I think something that could help him a long way is if he has some processing powers. We never got to see at Michigan. You know, I mean, I think you look at CJ, CJ Stroud, 
went from a, a great college quarterback to potentially one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL because the Texans really not stumbled upon, but really understood his ability to to diagnose a defense pre and post snap was otherworldly. And like that, honestly, like you want to get to the difference between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, year one of the NFL, yeah. that goes a long way. So I, I I can't speak to the processing power of JJ McCarthy, but like the tools that look pretty average. And, you yeah. know, now granted, I don't really love any of these quarterbacks. I'm, I'm pretty nervous about all of them for a different reason. But I, at this point, I will say I'd be shocked if J.J. wasn't a top 20 pick given they just won the national championship and given the fact that there is probably 25% of the NFL looking for quarterbacks and looking to take a run at quarterbacks. That always, that always kind of pushes guys up in the draft a little bit uh, farther ahead of where they he's, should go. He's doing what Cardell Jones did which was I'm maximizing on my – now he's got more, like, obviously games under his belt and all that and experience, but he's he's maximizing on his potential now versus being like, oh, I'll come back and see what happens next year if I, you know, were to lose to Ohio State or not win. An, like, his stock would never be higher, so he's doing that. Also, te- I, in some ways, te- the Texans did kind of stumble into C.J. Stroud because uh, David Tepper decided he didn't want C.J. Stroud. So what was your other option? They were like, ah, well, I guess we got to take him, and it's worked out for him, so – Thanks, David Tepper. If you're a Texas fan, don't get me started on that clown. <laughs> I I have, I everything I know, that I, I know felt, it hits home for you. That's why every I time I, every time I, I I talk about the Haslam's, a lot of that agita has been transferred over to Dave Tepper, a man who's taking a middle of the road franchise in Carolina and running it right down the toilet. But you had something to say about uh, Harbaugh before yeah. we get to the new AD, by the way. So he's the only coaching candidate in the NFL that's interviewed for a job at this point because the other guys, the other assistants and things, they can't interview until – actually, I take that back. Belichick interviewed because his was a pardon of ways, that type of thing. But any well, assistants and, – And anybody who had a bye this last week, so uh, Baltimore and San Francisco assistants were able to interview yeah, yeah. just as a quick interjection. Right. So, but other than that – like he's the he's one of the he get he can get a leg up on this stuff because he doesn't he's not tied to another team at the moment or anything like that. So he interviewed over the weekend, or I guess on Monday he interviewed technically MLK Day, um, and it, like we know like the tea, what the tea leaves are suggesting is that he's kind of been linked to them and there's mutual interest and it's just about kind of going through the formalities and the process to see if they land there. And this and this could all change and he could come back and then maybe this conversation's a moot point, but. Should Ohio like does it lessen? Does winning against Michigan without Jim Harbaugh there next year, if that's what happens here, and JJ McCarthy for that matter, and these guys that you couldn't beat, does it lessen a win over Michigan if that's the case? Um, no, and and here's I, I cannot give the malcontents, the Anthony Limas, I cannot give them this. Um, there's plenty of times where Ohio State has beat a bad Michigan team, and vice versa. And honestly, I'm very happy that uh, that the rivalry's back, even though Ohio State's on the wrong side of it. But no. And and one, I'm not buying that even if Harbaugh and McCarthy go off to the NFL, Roman Wilson off to the NFL, they got some other guys potentially jumping off to the NFL. I'm not buying that all of a sudden they're going to be a seven-win team. So as long as Michigan is still a 9-10, 11-win team, and I have no re- – I've watched Alex Orgy. I have no reason to believe oh. – that that dude can't be that's in, that's in your google history that is i have i've done a lot of research on orgy and orgies just anything orgy i've gone into not because cookies, i want baby. to 
not because I want to be the guy after the guy after the guy, but because quite frankly, <laughs> this is what is expected upon me. But no, I, I the Michigan could win one game next year and beating Michigan still is going to matter to something it matter for something. Yeah. And the, any fans saying, Oh, well, it's not going to be the same. Honestly, you just want Ryan day fired. It's all confirmation bias. There's nothing yeah. the guy can do other than win every game next year. And even then you're probably not going to give him credit either. Well, two things we can't, we can't say that the main goal is beat Michigan and fans clamor for that and yell about it and scream into the abyss about it and say, Ryan day should be fired because he hasn't done that the last three years. And then have like a, a like then have it be like well he has to beat Michigan a specific way it can't like you can't change the goalposts like that when you continue to say that the number one goal and the main goal of this team every year is just to strictly but, beat Michigan no matter what they look like no matter who's out there coaching whether it's you whether it's me whether they got the worst quarterback in the country what like I don't care it shouldn't matter about any of that it should just be strictly you got to beat Michigan. That's the number one thing every single year that matters to Ohio State fans, and that's what they've told me the last year. So I but have you to know. Believe. But let's just be honest here. We both know that if you beat a weaker Michigan team and then you know losing the playoffs, and then next year going into the year, the knock will be, well, he's only beaten Michigan when they were down. Yeah, I don't, and that's it's and that's just it's just the unfortunate. There's just that segment of people it's just chaotic and it's toxic and i get it i do listen i i for all things i say about them being overreactive i do understand the central thesis and and disgruntled part of what they're saying i just think they're blowing out of proportion now we have uh spent 47 minutes on this podcast and we have yet to we have we've neglected one of the more interesting topics on ohio state which is that they could be settling in on a new AD. Reports are that uh, you know, nothing's finalized yet, but that Texas A&M uh, athletic director Ross Bjork will be the man that's uh, that takes over for Gene Smith in Columbus. And I got to be honest with you, um, considering how many really strong candidates there were off the Gene Smith um, tributary and in the AD tree. There are anywhere from five to 10 super qualified candidates at other power five jobs that I am, I'm shocked that a place as insulated as, as regional and, and as, you know, we, we look after our own, I'm shocked that they went with a guy with no Ohio state ties to be the athletic director, given just how furtive soil that uh that the the, the gene smith uh the farming is for all the ad's i'm I'm butchering most of this yeah but yeah. i'm just i was i was blown away it's not like there aren't guys to go to that that worked under gene or that have you know a real a real ability to do this job yeah i think what's interesting with with bjork and first of all i want to be clear like i always have a hard time assessing what makes it like what's a good ad like i i think for fans of especially college football, the first thing you're always going to look at is, okay, well, what did he do with the football program? What coach did he bring in? And to clarify too, we checked this before the show. He was not the person who hired Jimbo Fisher. He was the person who fired Jimbo Fisher this past year, but he was not the person who brought Jimbo Fisher in. So I think that is important context in terms of that specific situation. Cause I'm telling you, that's the first thing fans are going to look at. But like, to me, like AD's, are just kind of like spokespeople for the department, for the athletic department. 
And they're the most important job. And maybe this is why um, he's getting he's 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 the number one option or the guy that it looks like they're going to hire is are they good at fundraising? Because you mentioned too before the show that from just kind of looking back on some of his other stops that he's had, every time he's left, it seems like people aren't that that um, upset about it. They're, they're, they're kind of like, okay, fine. And so I just wonder, like, is is he not like a great is he not a great personality and people don't really care if he leaves, but is he really good at fundraising? I would imagine like Texas A&M, they have one of the more, from what I understand, bankrolled um, booster and alumni bases where they could really tap into some of that and, and bring in a lot of NIL money. So maybe he did a good job down there. It seems like the, in recent years, they were getting a lot of top recruits because they were buying into the NIL stuff. And I know a couple years ago, I think Jimbo actually had one of the top recruiting class in the country, if not the top recruiting class in the country. Um, he's not going to be there to see it through obviously, but so I think that matters. And maybe that's where Ohio state's looking is like, Hey, we need to really focus on NIL and get that piece of this puzzle figured out. And Bjork is a guy that they think can do that. So that's my guess as to why they like him. But I don't know that like there, there's some hot take to have about, about an AD that really neither of us have, have been around or can, can really attest to being, Oh, he's great. Or he's terrible. I think it's just going to be one of those things like you got to kind of see what happens. Now, if he comes in and Ryan Day, you know, shits the bed year this next year and he fires him and brings in a coach and it's the wrong coach, then, yeah, I think we'll all have opinions about him. But right now it's just kind of like we don't know what he brings to the table that attracted him to Ohio State. But there's got to be something there, and I'm imagining it's probably a financial piece that 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 is why they're so attracted to him. Yeah, I mean, I think from the coaching perspective, he inherited Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And this was his first chance to kind of uh, fire Jimbo and find a coach to take over for him. And I think we all remember the Mark Stoops turn into Mike Elko thing. So I think that's interesting. Whether that's something to blame Ross Bjork for or not, I don't know. But, I mean, even if you look at the Ole Miss situation where he took over, he he inherited uh, Hugh Freeze. And that, that team was having a lot of success with Hugh Freeze. But then came the NCAA nightmares. And maybe Ross Bjork stuck with Hugh Freeze a little too long, and then he didn't stick the landing by by hiring somebody that was, uh, I think it was Matt Luke, who was just kind of an assistant off that team. So, you know, I I, I personally, by the way, I personally love Mike Elko, and I personally yeah. love Stoops. So, like, I actually think whomever he had decided on for Texas A&M probably was going to work out better than Jimbo because the expectations are going to be different. But, like, we don't really have a frame of reference or at least a good frame of reference for coaching hires. And I I do like, you know, Ole Miss fans weren't sad to see him go. I don't think Texas A&M fans are sad to see him go. And I think when you look at the fundraising thing, it almost makes me wonder if there was a sins of the father situation with Gene Smith, where if, if maybe Ohio State leaders felt like Gene Smith, whether it was reticence, whether it just wasn't, whether it was age, wh- whatever it was, they didn't feel like he prioritized and attacked NIL to the, the degree necessary and that that might have been what has played into Ohio State and Michigan being neck and neck these last couple of years. And maybe that's what hurt any of the candidates that were from the, the Gene Smith tree, right? Yeah. It's almost like, well, he didn't do this. These guys learned under him. We can't have that, so we got to go, you know, behind door B because at least this guy has yeah. just gross and kind of ridiculous levels of NIL that he's kind of threw around there 
over the first three or four years of NIL in college football. I, I'm convinced that, again, just face value, looking at this thing, surface level, we don't know a ton yet, and he hasn't officially been hired. Um, I, I'm imagining the NIL stuff had a lot to do with this hire. If they believe or they've seen the results of him being a good fundraiser at Texas A&M, and I'll, I'll read more up on that before we jump on and do the next show, um, like then I, I would imagine that probably played a big role into why they're bringing him in. Because that, that's a huge piece. I mean, it's always a huge piece about how much money you can bring into any athletic department, any any organization. But especially now in today's day and age with college football and recruiting, it is exponentially important. So I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that has a lot to do with it. Can I tell you just something, just having seen him? He kind of looks like P.J. Fleck with hair. And he kind of <laughs> also looks a little bit like John Lynch. I don't know why, but that bugs me. And there's just something about a guy named Ross. Like you're going from a guy named Gene to a guy named Ross. These are very uh, non-scientific reactions. The one-syllable names don't do it for you, huh? Uh, it's it's like, you know. Even though you have a one-syllable name? <laughs> oh, this isn't about me, Spencer, okay? Don't don't get hateful on this. Nick, that's a, that's a classic name. Gene, Ross. Like, are we playing Parcheesi or are we running athletic director? You know, are we are we running athletic uh, programs here? I just I, name wise doesn't do a lot for me. Although one of the other names was Pat, so I don't know. I was really hot on the names thing. Did did just athletic directors have weird or just oddly old timey names? I don't know. I don't I know. Think, there's, I no so. real, there's no real. There's no real way to go here. I honestly think a lot of them have old timey names because they were probably hired in like 1970 and they're, they're just still there. You think Ross Bjork is actually a vampire? I can I mean, not, not him, but I, there's definitely a lot of athletic departments. And I know this from like working in athletic departments where like they've just kept an AD around for so long and they finally like retired maybe recently. So yeah, I think it's a lot of just like the same, the same person's been in those roles forever, which is why I question like, ADs, they're important, and I, I think the fundraising piece is the biggest thing. But I always just wonder, like, they're just they're just kind of like mouthpieces for the department because you can't have every coach go and like talk to every other athletic department and figure these things out. You need somebody to kind of be the spokesperson. So that's what that's what they become. They're like the Roger Goodell of it all. But are they really doing all these things and implementing all these things? I don't know. I I, I just don't know like what. I always just wonder, like, the qualifications needed to become an AD. I get that you need a certain degree level. I just think they're they're just they're just fundraisers with a bigger title. That's all. That's all it is. Spencer German thinks ADs don't matter for shit. <laughs> at Spencito <laughs> underscore on Twitter, Ross Bjork at Spencito underscore. Any ADs listening to this, if you can tell us what an athletic director does other than fundraising. At Spencito underscore at Nick Wilson says, drop it in the comments. Of course, guys, are you pumped about Ross Bjork? And if so, please tell us why. Because I just uh, the, the, there's just nothing erotic about hiring an athletic director. But uh, as we are a new podcast, please make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. We could have an interesting week. Will Harbaugh get a job? Uh, what other Michigan players could go to the NFL? What other coaching changes could Ohio State have? We've got the portal news. Uh, somebody like Caleb Downs. We'll see where he ends up, if he ends up somewhere else. 
All this stuff to come on the back half of this week, guys. But appreciate you, Spencer. Go Bucks.